We have a community story segment today, and we're going to talk about a very, very important topic in our community, and that is suicide prevention. There is an event coming up on Monday, and it is open to the public. And this morning to talk about that is we have uh, Mel Hoffner, who is on the United Way Suicide Prevention Committee, and she's a suicide loss survivor, and she's going to be chatting with us today about the event. And they're also bringing back Emma, who is a gal who... Uh, survived a suicide attempt and has been in the community before a very powerful speaker and we're going to talk about that uh, good morning mel good morning mel you know i was just chatting with you a little beforehand about your daughter who died by suicide it was a year or two years ago now it'll be two years ago may 2nd right and she was a classmate of my son blake's and so it really hit my heart when i uh, heard about that for one thing because it's number one it's too young and now you are involved with the to get the word out about it so let's talk a little bit about how that impacted you and what you're doing now sure so obviously the loss of a child is horrific the loss of a child by suicide I think is um, even more uh, just it's actually you can't even put put it into words it's it's indescribable the pain and the impact of that so um, Shortly before the first year anniversary um, of my daughter's death, I approached my family and I, my husband and I, approached United Way to bring um, Emma Benoit and her uh, documentary, My Ascension, to do a community event. And from that, um, it led into bringing her documentary and message of hope and support into schools. And it really, organically, this um, suicide prevention task force um, developed and it's a bunch, uh, uh, several community and uh, mental health professionals and parents and other people who just care about this have come together and have really embraced her message and bringing her into the schools. And beyond that, um, we just recently wrote a grant for the Minnesota Department of Health. We don't know if we'll get it because it's a very competitive grant, but really it's just bringing the awareness but also change because this work is not about um, just talking about it for a moment. It is about bringing systematic change that ne- absolutely needs to happen and saving lives. Right, because it seems so t- so many times right after you hear about somebody who died by suicide, then everybody's all up in arms. Oh, we better do something. We better do something. And then it just sort of fades away into the background and people forget. But as a mom, you never forget. Um, and I, I was telling you before, I had a niece who passed away a year ago, uh, died by suicide. And it's almost like people don't want to talk about it because it's hard. You don't know what to say. So let me ask you about Mara. Mara was your daughter. She was a uh, in uh, let's see, eighth grade. Eighth grade. I was going to say yeah, middle school. Middle schooler. Do you want to talk a little bit about Mara, mm-hmm. who she was? Because I know my son knew her, and she was a wonderful girl. Yeah, Mara. Um, boy, Mara was full of life. She was super joyful. She was kind. She was loving. She would always advocate for. Uh, people, the undergot dog, you could say. Um, I remember, um, you know, some people have reached out that I didn't know, which was really beautiful and shared stories about her. And when she was in sixth grade, there was a paraprofessional who had a student with her who had severe disabilities. And she just let me know that Mara was one of the only students who would include her student that she was working with and those types of things. So that was the essence of Mara was kindness, fearlessness, and pure joy. Um, When COVID hit, Many kids struggled, and so did she. Yes. And um, to be really honest, the environment of the school and the way they had set that up really was difficult for her to be able to sit in one spot all day. Right. And so 
from the moment she started school when they returned back from COVID, I could tell you it was October 12th, three weeks later, that she had made the comment to her sister, I just would rather die than go to school. And at that time, I just took precaution and I took her to, into um, see a physician. And um, from that point until her death, it was five and a half months later. And we did, we did bring her to counselors and, and uh, medical providers. You know, one of the things I hear is a lot of times is it's difficult to get in to see mental health professionals because there are so many on a waiting list. And unless you're a current uh, patient to get seen, and that's, I guess that is such a dangerous time because you need to see somebody right away, yet many times they're not at your neighbor able to get in to get an appointment. That is correct. So it was a seven to eight month waiting list. And um, to be really frank, the the providers did not tell me what Mara reported directly to them, Mm -hmm. which is, it's an issue. That should never happen. A parent should always know if their child is acutely suicidal. Um, That did not happen in her case. However, I did get her into another um, mental health organization the next day. And they too did not report to me how acute she was, which is a completely unethical and it should not happen. She fell through the cracks of every system we had her in. And I would say furthermore, most mental health and medical professionals are not trained specifically in suicide prevention, intervention, or postvention. So there's a big gap there. And and you've used uh, this to talk about the gaps in the system, which I see also as as many um, having, you know, experienced some of that in my own family. And my niece was the same way. Many times there were, um, she just wasn't able to get the help she needed. And what happened, she, you say, well, it shouldn't have happened, but it did. Mental illness is is an illness. And th- there's always been that stigma around that. And it's so hard to understand. But by bringing Emma Benoit here, you have, uh, so you started, was it last fall when she first made her first appearance here in the Mankato area several times? Yes, she did. This will be the third time coming back. And also she has, um, her message in the documentary has brought has been brought to over 6,000 students so far. And we have a full week for her scheduled next week as well, going to other um, different school systems, which I would say I'm super proud to say that this task force um, committee and Barb Cost from the United Way have really been the driving force to get her and that message into schools because many times schools are really afraid, just like most people. And I would say this, most people don't feel like this can happen to them, but it absolutely can. And if people look at the current stats and the current needs of kids, they would be horrified to see that one out of three females, adolescents, wants to die, wants to kill themselves right now in, in our community, in our state, in our country. And so we must do something. We must do something different. Right. And this event is open to the public. Um, You actually, you said she's coming in the schools as well, correct? Yes. She'll be seeing a variety of different, or she'll be going to a variety of schools next week as well and doing some community events in other communities too. Oh, good. Okay. So one of the things when she came before, my son went to her presentation. He said there were some students who were very disrespectful about that. And I wonder if it's because it's hard to face that this can happen um, or, you know, was don't know. But some or if it's the parents saying that's not a big deal. How do you communicate to people that it is so important to to talk about? Because I think we don't want to talk about it because if we talk about it, we think it's going to happen. Then That's a myth. I will say that right off the bat. That's a complete myth. It's really important to be very direct with your kids and ask them. Are you thinking about killing yourself? Are you thinking about suicide? Have you, are you thinking about harming yourself? 
Um, I'm here to listen. And that's a big, a, a critical piece. I think it's really important, too, is don't assume that your kids can manage this um, because they can't. Even if you are promised by medical professionals, even if you are promised by mental health professionals, well, this the confidentiality, all those things. Um, I have a completely different, different perspective about that and the piece of confidentiality. So I think that it's really important to to be a good listening ear and an and a advocate for your child. Um, the other piece, I'd say by and large, most of the students have been respectful. Yes. I think in your uh, the students, your your son's case, that was one of the only schools that there was a lot oh. of disrespect. But the rest of the schools have been by and large very respectful. I'm, I'm glad to hear that I really am. And I did go to Emma's uh, presentation, and it's there's a there's a film associated with that. It's a, a film screening, and it's coming up on Monday from 5 to 7 p.m. at here in the Ostrander Auditorium here on campus. What is that film about for those who haven't seen it, and what do you think they might get out of that? I would say that it's one of the most impactful and powerful mental health um, documentaries that I've ever witnessed, and I have seen a lot because I've been a mental health advocate for 25 years. So what you will see is you will see Emma's journey through her suicide attempt and her recovery. In addition, they share a couple other stories of students um, and youth who have had um, experienced suicide and loss. And it's, I would say this, you're going to walk away with a a message of hope. You're going to walk away with um, some resources on what to do next. And for parents who are struggling, because many are right now not knowing what to do, I would strongly encourage you to come because there's going to be other resources there. And um, I personally would be happy to visit with anybody as they navigate through such difficult times. I think a lot of times when kids act out or something, parents just say, oh, they're just teenagers. And that's the thing I hear a lot of times. They're just teenagers. So how do you know when it's not just hormones or teenagers and when you need to be concerned? I mean, I think that's something people don't maybe know. And I would agree with that. It's not always easy. That is a challenge. I would say one of some big red flags would be if your child is not acting like themselves. Mm -hmm. That's a huge, huge red flag. Like they're just not themselves. Um, the other piece is that kind of the research will show is if somebody reports that they feel like they're a burden in any capacity to their loved ones, that is also a huge red flag um, that uh, suicide could be pending So, or self-harm. And, um, you know, just those are two that I can personally say that um, did occur at the time. It was during COVID, so it was really difficult to discern what was what. Um, but as I look back now, Um, I wish I would have, well, I did, we did do things, but I wish, I regret that I didn't, um, I regret that I didn't look at other paths to, for intervention for her. But you know, the thing is, even when you do look for paths, sometimes the help isn't, isn't always there. I mean, and that's the thing because, uh, and you mentioned the part that the healthcare providers didn't share how serious it was. Is that something that you think actually laws maybe need to be made to somehow say we need to be able to share this info? Absolutely. They they actually could have, but I think they presumed that I knew. Um, oh. but, act, but, but I will say this, at the age of 13, children do not have to um, share their medical records or they can have their parents not in the room. That's a choice they can make, which I adamantly I disagree know that. with. I did not know that. I thought that you had to be 16 or something. but Nope, at the age of 13. Really? Um, yes. Do they ask them that? Do they say, do you want your mom here? Or Yep. Oh, they do. Okay, I did not realize that. Because, well, sometimes they say, well, then they'll maybe 
be more open or something. But then the fact is that somehow you need to get that information. Yeah. And I would say this. If my child would have had diabetes or cancer, you would have been I would have been involved in her care. And so it should be no different than mental health. And I also personally believe that the confidentiality practice around that actually per- perpetuates and promotes the stigma of mental health. Yeah, because then they say, well, there must be something secret about this, so we, we won't talk about it. So, uh, yeah. yeah. There should be nothing secret about providing care for your child, whether it's a mental illness, physical illness, anything. I mean, and I, I think, too, as even an adult, when a person is experiencing a mental health crisis, they're not in their right mind. They need the support system around their, them, and so they need that communication. Otherwise, how do you help somebody? Right. Because if you're in a mental health crisis, you know, people can say, well, we love you very much and we want you around. And in your mind, you're thinking, your mind can't comprehend that. You're not thinking that. And how do you tell the message, like, I guess, to talk to your children? Should you start at a young age? Because like I said, growing up, my parents, my mom didn't never want us to know that our uncle had died by suicide. And so she kept it this big secret. It wasn't until we were older that we found out from my dad that um, this is what happened. And so, I mean, is that something you should share when they're younger, do you think, to start out that it's okay to talk about or these are things we should be concerned about? I think you have to consider the developmental age of the the, the child. Um, And then, you know, as they grow, and I mean, we, to be honest, we talked about mental illness in my family all the time. When Mara was three and four years old, her daycare provider would say, I sure can tell she's the daughter of a counselor because she knew how to say, I feel mad when so-and-so hits me and I don't like that. Sure. So it was not something we, we talked about it very openly. My children were completely aware of what mental illness was and all of that. Because so, it's inherited. It is genetic. There's yes. genetic component. Also, um, there is FDA black box warning with certain medications. And I I feel that that should not be minimized by medical providers as it is much of the time. Um, For us, I believe that our daughter was, um, she became acutely suicidal with the medication that she was prescribed. And two weeks later, she died. And that's the thing. How do do you, I mean, is it the responsibility of the the healthcare professional to do something else about that when you do have those high risk? Because I know there are some medicines that can actually, when you start them, make you suicidal and make you worse before it maybe levels out or hopefully levels out. And sometimes they don't work. And I noticed with my niece, they, you know, tried all different sorts of meds. Sometimes they'd work, sometimes they wouldn't. And it's sort of, it's sort of a crapshoot almost because you don't know exactly how it's going to work in a different person's brain. You don't. And I did ask for what's called a gene site test, which is a genetic test that can help the medical provider kind of guide them on a medication that might metabolize better for a a person's body. We were denied that because our insurance company didn't um, pay for that. So I think there's many layers to this, (laughs) many layers that um, interfere with an effective mental health and medical health system in terms of how you care for. And I think the quality of care um, is, you know, and and the, the level of needs that are coming in for the mental health providers, they just frankly can't keep up. Right. And, and and I would say this specific to suicide, they just simply don't have the training. And there is training out there and available, and our task force would love to be able to bring that to providers. Um, it comes with a cost, like everything, but there's no cost that's worth, I mean, it's it's about saving lives. And the needs of kids right now and adults is not going away. 
and the fact that suicide is the second leading cause for 10 to 34-year-olds tells us there's something not right. We need to do something different. You mentioned genetic testing. I've never heard about that. So could you expand on that a little bit? What is that all about? I mean, I, I know there's genetic testing for like cancer genes, and you can see if you're more likely to be affected. So some people will, you know, get a, a mastectomy or something ahead of time because they don't want to get breast cancer. Is that similar to what you're talking about in mental health or? The gene, the gene site test is just specific for antidepressants, anti-anxiety oh, okay. uh, medications to see does a person's body might metabolize that more. Okay. Unfortunately, we don't have that I know of anyway, more extensive testing that we could use. Sure. And I think that's part of why people often buy into the stigma because they can't see it. It's not on, they can't measure it necessarily at this point, um, but it's there. It's real. It is not any different than somebody having diabetes or cancer or any other medical condition. And the other thing I know with um, medication is sometimes they're so expensive. Unless you have insurance to cover that, it can be outrageous. I know that um, at one point I was taking a medication and it was, uh, I think it was like $90 for three months, which is not bad. Um, and then it was, uh, they wanted to put me on a generic. Well, I did not do well with that generic. Bad, bad reaction. So I said, well, I need to have this particular uh, formula. And then I got $6,000. From yeah. ninety to six thousand. So my luckily my physician was able to write uh I don't know what they call it, something that this this person has to have this this uh, specific variety or else and was get, able to get it back to ninety dollars again. But there's those sorts of things where if you don't have insurance, you're sort of out of luck. Yeah. Thanks for bringing that up. There are a lot of barriers. Yeah. 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 <laughs> there are many, many, many barriers in a mental health system. And it is a complicated system to navigate. And when you're a person who is experiencing mental health concerns or a crisis, um, just imagine how it is for that person trying to navigate through all of those things. Especially if you're mentally ill and you're in, if you're on your own, nobody to help you, you're not thinking right anyway. That's correct. So there are a lot of barriers to this. I mean, I think that we need to, I mean, legislators, insurance companies, There, I mean, it is, the list is large, but I also believe that each person um, and our committee believes this, too, is that suicide prevention is everybody's job. And how we take care of the most vulnerable in our community um, shows you the health of your community. Now, this committee is, is relatively new that the United Way has helped, I, I guess, formulate or get together of different folks, including yourself. And has one of the main things you've been doing is to bring Emma in and bring these community discussions. Is there other things that are going on that maybe we don't know about? Yeah, one of the, you know, some of the things that we've really um, have discussed and talked about is, you know, bringing her event in is very, very important and it's impactful. And she's a, just an incredible resource and leader in this movement. But also bringing in suicide prevention programming for schools, such as the Hope Squad, which is one option. Um, like we said, there's a, a a framework. It's called Zero Suicide Framework. That's something in training that mental health and medical organizations can implement, and it's systematic. So it's really catching kind of those, the pieces where many people fall through the cracks for suicide. And in organizations that implement suicide-specific training that's systematic and, and everybody's trained in actually show a significant decrease in suicides. Where does that training come from? Is it in colleges? Is it in healthcare situations? Or where is that 
or where can that happen? Well, anybody could go to their website and implement it. Oh. Um, you can contract through a different uh, an organization to bring in training. I mean, that's certainly an option, but it is accessible to anybody to have that. Um, it does require some legwork, and it requires an organization to have leadership and commitment. So where, I mean, is there a specific site? Did you? That is. I think it's Zero Suicide. Oh, okay. If you look, if you just Google that, you will come to that, and that's there. that's one option. A lot of times school counselors are some of the first to see kids maybe in danger or maybe they're sent to the office for issues or something like that. Are our counselors and educators being trained in this to look or know what to do in these cases? From my perspective and as a current school counselor, I feel like the current training that most educators get is not adequate. In fact, my master's thesis is adolescent suicide, and I have been, quote-unquote, trained in suicide prevention. And the reality of it and the training that I received absolutely is not at all. Um, you can't even compare that. It's just not adequate in any capacity. So I, do I believe we need more training in specific for suicide prevention that's more effective? Absolutely. Do you think the schools and, and other, I guess, in society in general is being, after COVID, it seemed like people became more aware of it because a lot, there's so many, so much isolation and things like that. Do you feel that at least people are becoming more aware of some of these issues? I do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do. I think um, COVID kind of put a spotlight, but the truth is the suicide, the increases of suicide in youth were happening long before COVID. But as a school counselor and as an educator, I was never aware of that. Like those, that data and those stats was never brought to our attention in, our, in any of the training that we've received through our you know, education. So I think some schools will have maybe perhaps some more training, but you cannot have a one and done. Right. This is something that has to be trained over and over and over again. And who's got to do that? The legislature? The What system? I mean, you're talking about the systems broke. So how do we fix that system? I mean, I'm sure it's not easier. We would have done it, obviously. But yeah, I'd say that just like we say all the time, everybody's job is suicide prevention. You don't need to wait for somebody else to implement the training in your medical organization or your school system. The the resources out there are available. It requires, again, like leadership and commitment on those organizations' behalf. But you don't need to wait for anybody. You can implement those now. Is there a good website people can go to to look for some of the things we're talking about if they have any concerns at all or like what to look for? For example, um, you know, what should I do if somebody says they're going to commit suicide or what if what should I do if somebody seems like they might be suicidal? Well, the crisis, um, the mobile crisis center in town here would be a great resource right off the bat for a local resource. And I would personally say call them first before you would take your child to or whoever to an ER unless they are in a life-threatening situation. Then you take them directly to the ER. How do you get, in, um, it's, what is it called? The, well, I know it's the mobile crisis center and they will be there at the at Monday's event. Oh, good. Okay. And I know this, their number is at 889 is uh, I, I, I'm sure there's like a national one. Um. There's a local one. It's through Horizon Mobile okay. Crisis Center. And then also I would say the Hope Squad has a lot of incredible resources for parents if you go to that website. Um, NAMI is another great resource. Um, Which is the National, national Alliance Lines. of Mental Illness. Sure. It's, it's 988. They said uh, it's a yes. 988 yep. suicide and crisis lifeline if you have yes. any issues that people can call that. And they provide help 24-7. You know, if you're even if it's you or if it's somebody in your family you're concerned about, they can help at least connect you to the right people. Yeah, that's the national line. But we do have a local 
um, resource that will be available on Monday night. And I would say that they would be a great person to, great organization to connect with. Again, unless you have a life-threatening situation, then you go directly to the ER. Okay, that's what I was wondering, you know, how do you know where to go and when? So this event is open to the public. Who should come? I mean, it's not just if you have kids. I mean, obviously, this young lady, Emma Benoit, was a teenager, I think, when she first uh, attempted uh, her suicide. And But it affects all ages. So should everybody come? Parents come? Grandmas? Grandpas? Kids? Personally, kids I would say everybody. Kids, kids too? <laughs> yes, absolutely. It's appropriate for uh, middle school and high school age students. So not your little kids probably? Probably. I, I mean, it's that's a judgment call on your own family and what you feel that they can manage and handle. Okay. But it's definitely appropriate for middle school and high school age students. All right. And it is going to be this coming Monday. It's the Free Suicide Prevention Film Screening and the panel from 5 to 7 p.m. here on the campus at Minnesota State, the Ostrander Auditorium in the Centennial Student Union. The doors open at 4.30, and there is free parking in the visitor lot. I know a lot of folks are afraid to come to campus because of parking issues, so free parking in lot 4, which is just right outside the Centennial Student Union in kind of a sunken lot. No registration is required for the free event sponsored by the Rural Behavioral Health here at Minnesota State, the Mellon Todd Hoffner Family, and Greater Mankato Area United Way. Um, any other things that we haven't talked about you think is important to, to talk about, Mel? I, I would say this. Um, we also have a suicide loss support group for people who okay. have um, are suicide loss survivors. And that group meets every third Tuesday of each month from 6 to 8 p.m. at the Hope Interfaith Center. And if anybody has any questions, they can look at the... Um, AFSP website, and that can give us information. I'll also leave a flyer here. AFSP stands for the? The American Suicide Foundation Prevention or something, something like, like that. Like okay, that. Yep. so the AFSP. Okay, mm-hmm. got it. So I did not realize there was a, a support group, so 6 to 8 p.m. on? The third Tuesday of each month. In the Hope Interfaith Center. Okay, yep. good to know. That's a, that's a something I wasn't aware of. So, All right, well, we hope a lot of folks will come. Who's going to be on the panel um, besides, uh, obviously, the speaker, Emma. Yeah, Emma will be on there. We'll have psychiatrists, mental health communities, local resources for campus, um, and suicide loss survivors. Okay, so it'll be kind of encompassing. And like I said, I went there before, and it was very, very um, well done in terms of being allowing people to ask questions. And if you're not comfortable asking in front of the group, I noticed that, like, Emma would talk to people one-on-one afterwards and things like that because yeah. not everybody's comfortable about talking about it. We do use an app. It's called Slido, and it's for um, anonymous questions that anybody oh. can ask. So if you're not comfortable, feel free to come because you'll put your phone up, get a QR code, and you can ask questions through that. Um, and there's no question that... Um, that somebody can't address on the on the panel. So I think just ask anything, ask any concerns you have, just come and be open. And um, it is a wonderful event. And like I said, um, the primary message with this is hope. And they do hand out information at as well. I know when we when I went there, they handed out some great information, some brochures and things that are great for anyone. So thank you, Mel. I appreciate your time. We've been chat- chatting with Mel Hoffner, who is going to be on the panel coming up at the suicide prevention event this coming Monday, 5 to 7 p.m. here at Minnesota State's Ostrander Auditorium. 
in the Centennial Student Union. It'll also be surrounding schools. Is she here staying here for kind of the week? Yep, a full week. <laughs> when, okay. when we bring her back to Minnesota, we do it big. <laughs> well, she's from Iowa, correct? Louisiana. Oh, that's right. She's from the South. Um, and when you bring her here, does she, I mean, does she hang out at the schools with the kids or just go from school to school or how does that work yeah i mean each day we schedule her so she's not too you know exhausted (laughs) um but emma is amazing she will sit after each um, presentation and meet one-on-one with kids and i would say that's one of the most beautiful and impactful things that i've seen um she really is present with them and engaged and her relatability to so many people is i think what is um you know one of her benefits uh, as a public speaker if you're a kid, and I know probably no kids are listening because <laughs> they're in school right now, but if you have a friend who you're concerned about, who should they turn to? They should they should find somebody who can help. And I would not, say this, don't keep it a secret because you would much rather have your friend angry with you temporarily than to have your friend or family member, you know, not here any longer. Yeah, I think that's something that, that people fear. That's like, well, she'll get really mad at me and will never talk to me again or whatever. And kids do have peer pressure. And I can assure you, you will much rather have that than have your friend die. And if you're unsure, just 988 and they can connect you to the local resources, you know, and other resources that are available in the community or their their parents or a counselor or a trusted adult. And if you don't feel like you got the answers from that person, you keep going. You keep going. And that's a great point. If you have somebody that just kind of poo-poos you and says like, oh, it's not that big of a deal or you'll get over it. You know, it's just you broke up with your boyfriend. You'll get over it. No big deal. Well, it might be a big deal to them. Absolutely. Yep, it is. Keep going. All right. Thank you, Mel. I appreciate it very, very much. Uh, Very helpful. All right. It is uh, just about the top of the hour. It's uh, 